the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Colin Kaepernick is still unemployed. And NFL training camps are two weeks away, and we might be in the middle of an NFL crime spree right now. Brandon Browner, he's a cornerback who won a corner as a defensive back, cornerback who won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. He was charged with attempted murder yesterday in Pomona, California. He was arrested, I believe it was Sunday. Cops say he broke into his girlfriend's home, chased her, then dragged her and tried to smother her in a carpet. Yep. And then they say he stole a $20,000 Rolex watch. He's in jail, and uh, Brandon will be arraigned on July 30th. And then there's LaShawn McCoy, the former Pitt running back, uh, now with the Bills. Nice kid when I had uh, dealings with him when he was here. Uh, Hasn't been charged, but he could be in some serious trouble. His girlfriend's home was invaded, and she was beaten pretty severely. Uh, His girlfriend's friend went on social media and accused McCoy of doing it. Uh, Showed pictures of the girlfriend. Looked pretty bad. She also said McCoy caused kidney failure in their dog from beating him. And also said that uh, LaShawn was known to take steroids. Of course, McCoy says he has had no contact with his girlfriend. He denies all this stuff. But here's the problem. The cops say that it wasn't a random burglary. And they say that the guys who broke in were looking for specific pieces of jewelry, including a ring that McCoy and his girlfriend had talked about and that McCoy had told her that he wanted it back. Um, So there is speculation that if McCoy didn't do it, he hired someone else to do it for him. All speculation right now, but if it's true, McCoy's NFL career is over uh, big time. He's not going to carry the ball again. Really good player, too. Hall of Fame player. Uh, then there's Pac-Man Jones. You remember Pac-Man, the man who made it rain at the strip clubs and got in all kinds of trouble in the NFL with the Bengals, and he's played for several teams now. I think the last one was the Tennessee Titans. I kind of lost track of Pac-Man. But anyway, uh, if you followed the NFL at all, you know him. Mean, he's a kid who played at West Virginia. He got in a fight with a worker at the Atlanta airport last night. Now, Pac-Man has had issues with the law before. In this case... The cop uh, who was called and who witnessed some of it says that the worker, in this case, was the aggressor. Uh, But Pac-Man showed again what an amazing knack he has for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, He did it again last night. Um, And uh, we'll see how that works out. And then here in Pittsburgh, Sunday night, we were visited by an NFL free agent named Brandon Pettigrew. He was arrested and charged with punching a police officer uh, several times. He was also charged with public drunkenness. That's a shocker that he was drunk, huh? And apparently uh, Brandon took a limo ride uh, uh, from the south side, uh, took it over to the Doubletree Hotel in town. Uh, the bill was 97 bucks, and Brandon didn't want to pay. The driver thought that was kind of unfair that he had given him a ride, and uh, Brandon didn't want to cough up the cash. So the driver called the cops, and when, when Brandon was taken to the police station. That's when he decided to punch the cop three times in the chest. So uh, I don't know where he is right now, but and uh, he's 33-year-old free agent. Let's just say that this is not going to uh, cause teams to uh, get on the phone and call Brandon to see if he could come and play for him. Now, this all ties in nicely with the news that the NFL Players Association is suing the NFL uh, over its policy on the national anthem. That came out, I think it was this morning. League says players have two choices, stand for the anthem or go into the locker room when the anthem is being played. The union says that it should have been consulted. That's the problem. It uh, it should have been part of collective bargaining. It was a dumb move by the commissioner, uh, Roger Goodell. It's only going to make things worse. Now a guy's going to be stigmatized, of course, for for hiding in the locker room. Now the league... It was a simple situation. Well, I don't know if it's simple, but this is the, uh, to me, it's the only solution. They should have had the guts to do one of two things play the song and make everybody stand, or not play the song. Pretty simple. 
So the anthem controversy is not going to go away. And as I said, Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job. He's not going to get one either. Uh, no owner wants the guy who caused this fiasco on his team. And no owner wants the media circus that would come to town with him if he did want him to play quarterback. Meanwhile, while most of the media are focused on the debate over how Kaepernick has been treated by the NFL and how the anthem controversy has hurt the league, most of the sports media seem to believe that regardless of you know, how he chose to demonstrate, uh, taking the knee and making people, uh, getting people upset, uh, they seem to believe, I think most people, even in the sports media, who think maybe Kaepernick chose the wrong way to do it, they think that his cause is just. Well, I don't. And neither does my guest who's coming up after the break. She says there is no government agency that is more dedicated to the proposition that black lives matter than the police. She's next. The following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800. 6717070 that's 800-671-7070 800-671-7070 or go to selectquote.com this is a paid endorsement get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com/commercials not available in all states this is Mike Howard, General Sales Manager at Salem Media Pittsburgh. You've heard me recruit for salespeople for quite a while now, always looking for professionals who just have to be in the sales arena because they love the hunt for new business, have those antennas up, and just simply know how to get appointments. Well, I'm here to tell you that is still exactly what I am looking for, but not just to be in radio. Salem Media Pittsburgh truly is much more, so much so that all of our team's titles have changed to Integrated Marketing Strategist. What that means is we now incorporate everything regarding digital marketing into our daily services, from web design to social media and reputation management, plus all things digital marketing, including retargeting, Facebook, SEO and SEM, and much more. So if the sales skills I mentioned before apply to you, plus you have a knack or even experience in digital marketing sales, you definitely need to contact us. Would you do that, please? Log on to SalemMedia.com and click the Careers link and search Pittsburgh to apply. You work hard to recruit the best talent for your business, so you understand how important benefits are. Today's candidates are looking for more than just insurance and retirement accounts. They want benefits they can use every day and perks that help them achieve that all-important work-life balance. With Veridesk Standing Desk Solutions, you can create the healthy office culture they're looking for, where employees can move more throughout the day, so they're happier, healthier, and more productive. The new Veridesk ProDesk 60 Electric is the perfect way to create your active workspace. It's a commercial-grade electric standing desk that lets you sit or stand with the touch of a button. And it assembles in under five minutes with no need for professional installers or labor costs. The ProDesk 60 Electric ships for free. And thanks to our 30-day guarantee, if you don't love it, we'll pick it up for free. To learn how you can try the ProDesk 60 Electric in your office, visit veridesk.com radio. That's VARIDesk.com slash radio. Even though the 4th of July is behind us, every July is our independence month. Become a patriot. Declare your independence from big mobile companies. Break free from big mobile's hidden fees, the line charges, the complicated pricing. Start celebrating simplicity with Patriot Mobile. And the pricing is simple and straightforward. Patriot Mobile also covers your switching and installment fees as a contract credit, up to $1,500 per account when you join. And from each Patriot's bill comes a contribution to the vital donations of conservative organizations that fight for freedom every day. What a great month to remember that. This month, enjoy a new Motorola E4 or an E4 Plus smartphone for only $4 a month. Save over 40% on this terrific water-resistant phone, perfect for summer, and help bring about conservative change. Independence has never sounded so liberating. Don't wait. Offer only available while supplies last. Make the switch today by calling 1-800-A-PATRIOT or by visiting www.patriotmobile.com forward slash you. That's patriotmobile.com forward slash you. Be a patriot. Switch. Make conservative change happen every time you use your cell phone. Patriot Mobile, your new cellular resource for patriotism.
Hey, as I mentioned earlier, the NFL Players Union filed a lawsuit against the league yesterday over the national anthem policy. The union thinks it should have been bargained and not unilaterally imposed, which it was. Everybody has an opinion on who's right and who's wrong on the anthem policy, and it'll probably end up in court. And I think that most of my friends in the sports media, including the people who side with the NFL, assume that Colin Kaepernick's cause is just, even if his use of the of the NFL platform might have been a mistake. Well, Heather McDonald of the Manhattan Institute has written a book called The War on Cops, and she is on the phone right now. And Heather, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me on, John. I appreciate it. Now, you not only have a problem with the claims Colin Kaepernick uh, made or has been making, but you have problems with most of the Black Lives Matter narrative, it seems to me. Are blacks more likely to be shot by cops than whites? I guess that's the basic question. Well, they're uh, about less than a quarter of all shooting victims. Uh, whites are over half of all shooting victims by the police. That's a disparity when you use, uh, for blacks, when you use population data. Blacks are about 13% of the nation's population, so it's, it's not quite twice as high. But population is the wrong benchmark to use when evaluating police activity. It is nevertheless the one that the media, the ACLU, and activists inevitably use. The proper benchmark for understanding police activity is crime because policing today is data-driven. Police are going to where people are most being victimized by violent street crime, and that, sadly, is in minority neighborhoods. If you look at uh, national felony data provided by the Bureau of Justice Statistics, which is the federal government's premier uh, crime data agency, uh, in the 75 largest counties of the United States, which is where the vast majority of the U.S. population resides, blacks commit between 50% of all uh, so-called index felonies to two-thirds, depending on the felony. Those are the, that's homicide, robberies, aggravated assaults, and rapes. So you've got about 50 to two th- 50% to two-thirds black commission rate. Blacks in those 75 largest counties are 13, excuse me, 15% of the population. Uh, and so police are going to use their weapons most often where they are confronting armed, violent, and resisting suspects. And that is overwhelmingly, again, sadly, in minority neighborhoods. I'm a big skeptic of the Black Lives Matter movement because the data that we never hear from them is this. This is the civil rights problem of our time. Blacks die of homicide at six times the rate of whites and Hispanics combined. That's something Black Lives Matter should be talking about. The people killing those blacks at such an elevated rate are not whites, they're not the cops, but they're other blacks. A a black victim who's been shot by a black criminal is out of sight, out of mind to the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, There were four studies that came out in 2016 that showed there is not bias in police shootings. If anything, the bias works in favor of blacks and against whites once you take uh, crime rates into account. So, uh, obviously, the problem is that people look at the population and they they watch the media and they see uh, uh, cases that get a lot of attention and are talked about over and over and over again on uh, cable news and uh, on the Internet. And they get a false impression about how often this is happening. And um, but the, I guess what you're saying is that the that the that the maybe the Black Lives Matter movement and the media together are are promoting this false narrative. And it's and uh, and and I think you can tell me whether you how you feel about it. But I think that one of the reasons that false narrative is allowed to be promoted is because the the fear of being called a racist if you disagree with it. Oh, absolutely. You should, you know, what I've been called is, is quite amazing. You're absolutely right. The, the perception that the Black Lives Matter has created 
that we are living through an epidemic of racially biased police shootings of black men is entirely a media creation. If the media focused on police shootings of white men, and again, those make up over 50% of all police shootings, uh, the public could well believe that we're living through an epidemic of police shootings of white men. The only police shootings that get attention are if the cops shoot somebody black. Among the white victims of police fatal police shootings in 2015 was a 50-year-old man in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, who ran at the officers with a spoon. He was involved in a domestic incident. Uh, a, a kid who escaped from a grocery store robbery on a bike and didn't take his hands out of his pockets when asked to do so. Had any of those victims been black, there's a good chance that not just the nation but the world would have heard about them. But because they're white, they're of absolutely no interest to the media or to the activists. And um, according to the piece that, that I saw that you wrote, um, blacks commit ten times as many gun homicides as white and Hispanics combined. Um, that is a number that makes would make um, anybody uncomfortable. Um, if uh, I mean a black person uncomfortable. And again, is are people just uh, are people aware of that? I'm talking about people in the media. Are they aware of that kind of number and just reluctant to report it for one reason or another? That's hard to say, John. I I think that they are. It's deliberate ignorance. It's it's sort of uh, plausible deniability. Um, you know, I've certainly been writing about this for the last decade or so. If, if they want to get the information that's out there, because, again, these are not my numbers. These are the Bureau of Justice Statistics, a completely nonpartisan uh, research branch of the federal government. They, they come out with the, the data that's constant year after year, whether it's a Republican or a Democratic uh, administration. Uh, but we've seen on the part of the media, starting from the 1990s, uh, when many outlets, many newspaper outlets, stopped reporting the race of suspects in drive-by shootings and carjackings uh, because they were overwhelmingly disproportionately black. Uh, in St. Louis uh, last year, 100% of all homicide suspects were black. This is according to the witnesses, this is not the racist police, blacks and whites each make up identical proportions of the, of the St. Louis population. Those type of disparities are true everywhere. Uh, in Chicago, blacks and whites are each a little under a third of the population. Blacks commit 80% of all shootings and homicides. Whites, about 1%. Uh, so the media may not care to inform itself about the national numbers, but they certainly are aware of what's going on in, in their local city, and very often they choose to ignore it. There are legitimate cases of, of, black, of blacks being victimized uh, uh, by police, uh, shot, uh, killed, um, and, 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 and they have reasonable reason to uh, be griping about it. We had one here recently that uh, is going to the, the 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 cop was charged with murder, and that's going to be determined by the courts. But when you look at the numbers, it, it seems like such a simple solution—not a solution, but a, it's common sense would seem to come into play here. Where you say, you know, if you want to if you want to have fewer confrontations with the cops, how about not committing as many crimes? Cut down on the number of shootings you're you're being involved in. Don't go out in the car looking for somebody to shoot at a drive-by. Then you, you won't run into a cop. But if you say that, as a white person, as uh, and I, as you said, you've been you you know better than anybody that you're, you're not allowed to present those facts because it, instead of being someone who's actually looking for a solution to it, you're a racist because you're you're not right. sympathetic enough. Right. I, I I just I I kind of despair. Um, there's. 2,000 more blacks killed every year than whites and Hispanics combined. Again, blacks are 13% of the population. 
they are not being, those homicide victims are not being killed by the cops. You could remove all police shootings and it would have a negligible effect on the number of people, blacks, who are killed by cops. In fact, a greater percentage of white and Hispanic homicide victims are killed by a police officer than black homicide victims. Fully 12% of all whites and Hispanics who die of homicide are killed by a police officer compared to 4% of all black homicide victims who are killed by a police officer. There have been bad shootings of blacks. There's also been bad shootings of whites. It would be a wonderful thing if we could get the number of bad shootings down to zero. And I can tell you that cops are desperate for more tactical training. Too many departments are wasting precious training resources and time on just completely specious, unnecessary, implicit bias training when cops want help in trying to make sure that they're taking cover properly, that they're responding to stress properly. Uh, but we do not have a police bias problem. And, John, your analysis is absolutely right. With the Anton Rose case, I completely understand the, the, the sorrow and, and outrage of his family, but he was involved in a drive-by shooting. Uh, that is going to put you at very elevated risk compared to somebody who is staying at home and doing his homework of, of having some sort of negative altercation with a cop, whether it's a shooting or something else. All, virtually all of these shootings could be avoided if at the very least, after you've committed a crime, uh, comply with the officer, don't resist, but they could almost always be avoided by not committing crime in the first place. There was a study done by an economist at Harvard, uh, and he and he's black, by the way. So if, you know, it's a shame that you have to point that out. But um, and he uh, surprised himself with his research by finding out that uh, blacks, I'm sorry, white cops are actually more reluctant and less likely to shoot a black suspect than they are a white because of what we're talking about here the the fear of they know they know the repercussions and so uh he was he was surprised to find that out but it's true well yeah i think that's the lowest james study that yeah. you're referring to that find that that he's she's a, a a researcher at uh university of washington but roland fryer who's the black harvard economist that you're mentioning he did do a study that found that there is no uh bias in police shootings that if anything, again, uh, blacks are favored compared to whites. And, and that was one of just four studies that came out in 2016 disputing the claim that uh, there is a pattern of, of anti-black bias in police shootings. I have less... I mean, it just... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I have less than a minute. I want to get you just in 15 seconds. Just tell me, what does how does Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the national anthem, what has that done to this whole uh, fiasco? Oh, it, it's made it worse. I mean, the, the blacks are dying because of the Black Lives Matter movement. There were an additional 2,300 black males who died in 2015 and 2016 compared to the previous year because cops are backing off from the type of proactive policing that saves lives. Having been told that they're racist, for going up to somebody on a known drug corner at 2 a.m. who's hitching his waistband up as if he has a gun and asking a few questions. If cops are told that that's racist, at some point they're going to do less of that activity. He they are doing less of that activity, and blacks are dying. Heather, i got to go. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Okay. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump is giving conflicting messages about Germany at the NATO summit in Brussels. The president publicly criticized Germany. Germany is totally controlled by Russia because they will be getting from 60 to 70 percent of their energy from Russia and a new pipeline. And you tell me if that's appropriate, because I think it's not. Then the president met face to face with Angela Merkel. We have a very, very good relationship with 
the chancellor. We have a tremendous relationship with Germany. He congratulated Merkel for Germany's tremendous success. Merkel responded through an interpreter. We are partners, we are good partners, and we wish to continue to cooperate in the future. President Trump told reporters he and Merkel discussed the pipeline during their meeting. He did not elaborate. I'm Ed Donahue. Bad day on Wall Street as the Dow dropped 219 points, the Nasdaq lower by 43. This is SRN News. My story includes multiple physical and emotional affairs. Every day, men struggle with sexual integrity. Impure thoughts, strip clubs, pornography. My wife found out that I had betrayed her. She insisted that I would go to the every man's battle. I had some idea, perhaps, of, of um, you know what to expect, but I had no idea that it would have the impact on me that it did. There's just something about the way that you meet in a large group and then the smaller breakout groups. And the sharing is just something that I've never experienced before. To register or to find out more, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. That's 1-800-639-5433 or log on to newlife.com. This is the first time in my life that I ever felt comfortable in sharing the real me with other men. In my mind, it is one of the most critical things that a guy can do in his recovery. 1-800-N-E-W-L-I-F-E. Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager Show. One of the reasons that there are no competing goods for the left on this issue is they don't really care if we are inundated with illegal immigrants. That's one reason. Another reason is everything is seen in the prism of how can it hurt this administration. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at noon, right before Michael Medved at 3 on AM 1250. The Answer. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people. They're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-518-4020. 800-518-4020. That's 800-518-4020. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy & Hagerman. It's been a long time since you had your will written, and a lot's changed since then. It's always a good idea to review your documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy & Hagerman, we understand the nuances of elder law and how changes to Medicaid, veterans' benefits, and the tax code can affect your estate and the people most important to you. So let's talk. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. That's a-h.law. They say the best is yet to come, but to make that true for your retirement, well, you need a plan. Start by tuning in to Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane with Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10. Kurt and Ethan help simplify the retirement planning process. No technical terms or calculations, no product pushing, just the information you need for your retirement. So don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group every Saturday morning at 10, right here on AM 1250, The Answer. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. We're seeing delays on the inbound parkway East Edgewood Swissvale to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. And also from 2nd Avenue into Grant Street, we had an earlier accident, but those delays still remaining through there. Outbound side, very heavy from Forbes Avenue to Edgewood Swissvale. And the Parkway West, that's slow inbound from Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. And on Highland Park Bridge, that's heavy on the southbound side. An accident in Edgewood, Edgewood Avenue at Elm Street. I'm Jenny Robinson on AM 1250, The Answer. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. We'll see some patchy clouds around for tonight, comfortable overnight with a low of 58 degrees. Tomorrow, a very nice day, mostly sunny, a pleasant afternoon, high 82. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, 61 degrees. Friday, a mixture of clouds and sunshine and turning warmer for the afternoon hours, high Friday, 87 degrees. This is meteorologist Danielle Niddle on AM 1250, The Answer. 
just want to clear something up from the last segment. I want to make sure I, I mention this because I want to be fair. Uh, we talked a little bit with Heather McDonald about the, the studies that were done about um, uh, pertaining to the, the claims from Black Lives Matter. And the studies did uh, indicate that blacks are more likely to be roughed up by police in confrontations, handcuffed, pushed up against the car, the kind of stuff that you see. Um, and there are varying reasons for that, but that that is not a claim that uh, is um, not justified. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. And if you've been listening to the show uh, here the last couple of days, you know that one of the things we're going to do here is kind of question the conventional wisdom. And you'd have a hard time finding anybody who doesn't think that we're in the middle of an opioid, opioid crisis right now. It's been all over the media for a few years. You may know it firsthand from having your doctor stop giving you prescriptions for pain medicine or trying to cut you down. Uh, Jeff, Dr. Jeffrey Singer from the Cato Institute is here to tell you that it's not an opioid crisis at all. And the big problems aren't the doctors and the drug companies. He says the big problem is the government. Dr. Singer, thanks for being here. Are you are you there? Oh no, you're not. There you are. There you are. There you Hello. are. Sorry. Hey, there you are, Doctor Singer. I'm learning the phones here. I'm an idiot. Uh, just, uh, I'm I'm not a doctor. Um, but I <laughs> I don't think you should need to be one to do this. But uh, no, I I, I I think the average person thinks of um, the abuse of prescription painkillers when the opioid crisis is mentioned. But you say that would be wrong. Why is that? Yeah, the, the, what's really frustrating is there's this narrative that's reverberating in, in the media, and it's the basic narrative is that the opioid overdose crisis that we have was caused by uh, basically careless doctors uh, persuaded by greedy pharmaceutical companies to hook our innocent people on opioids and condemn them to a life of drug addiction. But in fact, that's not the truth, um, and the science doesn't back that up. We've known since... Uh, well, for many years, but starting in the uh, 70s and 80s, many researchers were saying that we were actually under-medicating our people for pain because we had this uh, irrational fear of opioids. Uh, by the late 90s, um, after much science persuaded doctors that uh, opioids actually have, believe it or not, a low addictive potential and a low overdose potential, we started prescribing more and a lot of lay people and patients began to overcome their fear of taking opioids. Meanwhile, um, obviously, as opioids got prescribed more, there was more available to be what's called diverted into the black market for non-medical users, so that a lot of people began using opioids uh, as their recreational drug of choice because different drugs enjoy different vogues. Cocaine was big in the 80s, ecstasy in the 90s, and amphetamines in the early 2000s, and opioids became popular. Um, but it was not due to doctors prescribing to patients. In fact, study after study, including studies that came out uh, just this January from Harvard and Johns Hopkins, show that prescribing opioids to patients in a medical setting has a less than 1% addiction rate. And a lot of people tend to confuse addiction with, with physical dependency. There's a big difference. Physical dependency just means that you have to taper it off because your body becomes dependent on it. A lot of people who are on, let's say, Lexapro or Prozac for, as an antidepressant, they know you can't just stop it. You have to be tapered off. That's a physical dependency. But addiction is an actual medical disease that's on a biological level where you do destructive things to yourself because you you're, feel compelled to use the drug. There's only a b roughly 1% addiction rate associated with opioids. Year, study after study shows that. And overdoses are primarily due to using multiple drugs together. In fact, the uh, most recent data shows roughly 90% of overdoses have multiple drugs on board. Meanwhile, because uh, that everybody's bought into this uh, narrative, uh, all of the policies have been aimed at getting doctors to prescribe less. So prescriptions are down over 41% since 2010. Every state's got these monitoring boards which are intimidating doctors. For, they're afraid they're going to be arrested for being pill pushers, so they've been cutting back tremendously. A lot of serious, legitimate pain patients are desperate. They're, they're suffering. In the meantime, what's happening to the overdose rate? Well, it keeps going up. Last year, it was up 20% over the year before, even though prescriptions are down 40%. And if you look at the mix, it, roughly two-thirds are either heroin or fentanyl. Um, in fact, the, 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 the contribution prescriptions drugs are making to the opioid overdose death rate has been stable or tapering down. So we basically have a pool, a population of people who 
have been wanting to use drugs for one reason or another, and as their access to diverted prescription opioids has dried up, you know, in the pro world of prohibition, it's like playing a game of whack-a-mole. So to fill the gap, the cartel just rapidly moved in and, and replaced the missing prescription opioids with heroin and fentanyl, which is now, fentanyl has been, overdoses have been increasing at a rate of 88% a year for the last three years. So all we our policy is doing is making patients suffer, doctors practice in fear, and making sure that any people who want to abuse drugs only end up abusing the more dangerous ones like fentanyl and heroin. And that's why our policy is making it worse, not better. And the president of the United States uh, is out there talking about the opioid crisis. And I think when he talks about it, I think people think Vicodin or Percocet. They, they don't think heroin. Is that well, in fact, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that. Uh, for example, we learned uh, just recently, you know, when Prince died of an opioid overdose a year ago, now, here's a perfect example. He liked to use Vicodin. That was his drug of choice. We learned from the, the medical records that he never once went to a doctor to get a prescription, okay? Um, and he had his dealer get him Vicodin, but the Vicodin turned out to be counterfeit Vicodin. It was fentanyl. That's why he died of an overdose. Wow. This fentanyl is about 50 times the strength of heroin. What's happening is, is powdered fentanyl, which is not legal kind of fentanyl, because the legal fentanyl that's manufactured legally is not in a powdered form, is coming in through the mail and UPS and FedEx from, from uh, places like in China, and then the cartel is distributing it through its distribution network, and, and drug dealers are operating, they have, they have these pill presses, and they're actually pressing fentanyl powder into counterfeit pills that say things on them like Vicodin, and they're selling them to people, and people are dying. So what, what's our response to that? Well, we make sure doctors prescribe less opioids to their patients in pain. That's not going to fix it. And, and that, forces it them to, that forces them to go look for more fentanyl. Right, and there's a lot of evidence now that some patients who are seriously in pain and are finding themselves desperate because they've been cut off, and that's another thing. The government is kind of pushing doctors to abruptly cut these people off. When, when pe chronic pain patients have been on opioids for a long period of time, you can't abruptly taper them. You have to gradually taper them. It, you, you're making them suffer miserably. And some in desperation, they turn to someone who says, I know how to get you some Vicodin. I'll get some for you. And of course, it, they're going through the black market. The black market is dangerous because you don't know what you're going to get. And that's why we're seeing a lot of Patients in desperation turn, turn to the black market. Some are getting uh, counterfeit opioids. Some are getting heroin. Heroin is so readily available now that, according to the CDC, it, uh, heroin sells for one-fifth the street price of prescription opioids. So a lot of them are just turning to heroin. And another interesting thing, the, 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 this, this notion that, um, that all the drug addicts started on opi prescription opioids. According to the government's own data, less than 25% of non-medical users of opioids ever went to a doctor to get a prescription. These were people who accessed it on their own in the black market. And recent data suggests that more and more of them are starting directly on heroin. They're not even wasting their time on things like uh, prescription drugs. A study came out in November from Washington University found that 33% of heroin addicts entering rehab said their drug that they started on, their gateway drug, was heroin, as opposed to in the past. Um, so, so there's something going on in society, clearly. Uh, people are self-medicating. This is not just a confined to the United States. There's an opioid overdose crisis in Europe. People don't know that. And in Europe, they, the doctors historically have been much more frugal and stoic in their prescription of pain medicine. They don't prescribe pain medicine as, as uh, generously as we have in the United States and in Canada. Uh, and it's harder to doctor shop in their socialized medicine systems. So, but, but nevertheless, they have an opioid overdose crisis, too. And it, again, is largely led now by heroin and fentanyl. So you could, you could ask really serious, reasonable questions that I don't necessarily have the answers to, is why are more and more people in society self-medicating and turning to, to, uh, to drugs in the illicit market than used to? And why are we seeing it uh, across all demographic categories? But to, to place the blame on doctors prescribing opioids to their patients in pain is completely off target, and you're making patients suffer when they don't have to. And why are you aware of this? Um, and I mean, and why? Why do I? I think most people out there believe that this is a gigantic problem 
that's mostly caused by doctors who were too quick right. to give Vicodin to people. I mean, how did that happen that people began to believe well, that? And how are you going to get them to quit a, believing that? Well, there were some bad doctors out there, bad people in every field. And, and uh, in the early 2000s, uh, there were several, I don't know if you like to call on, by the way, I'm a practicing surgeon, so I prescribe this stuff. And, and my views, by the way, among healthcare practitioners are not controversial. Okay, only the only controversy among people in the media. But um, uh, I, I find very few of my colleagues who disagree with me. Most of them pat me on the back and thank me for saying this. But um, uh, there were doctors out there who basically were using their MD degrees to be drug dealers. Mm-hmm. And they worked out arrangements with, uh, you know, with pharmacies. This is well documented in a very powerfully written book called Dreamland. So basically you go to them, you wink, wink, you tell them, you give them some sort of complaint so he can write you a prescription, you pay him for the prescription, you make sure you go down to that pharmacy pharmacy that he tells you to go to, and the pharmacist splits the profits with the doctor. And those guys, are all, they're all in prison now. These were all uh, an embarrassment, but that fed the narrative. And, and those are all, uh, all a definite minority. There's, you know, in every field, there's people who are outliers who are evil, <laughs> and, and the, those people fit the bill, but that fed the narrative. We're talking to Jeffrey, Dr. Jeffrey Singer from the Cato Institute. I had uh, f- four knee surgeries, Doc, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm real glad they had Vicodin. Um, after, uh, I, I mean, what, what are they doing now? Giving people aspirin after a surgery? Well, what? what they're pushing doctors to do is give them just a handful, yeah, or, or ibuprofen. And that then ain't working. Is, right, and then I see this all the time where my, my post-op patient uh, is sent home with just a handful of pain pills. He's had a major abdominal surgery. And then he calls me up and says, I'm in agony. Can I get a refill? So I give him a refill. But because it's a controlled substance, I can't phone in a refill. This, this guy who's just gotten out of the hospital has to get down to my office so I can give him a prescription personally because that's the law. And, and, uh, and meanwhile, I'm being, like every other doctor, being watched by my state prescription drug monitoring board. And if they see that I give out, they, they base their, their, uh, their surveillance on raw number of prescriptions. So in my case in Arizona, where I practice, Every quarter I get a statement from the state monitoring board that says, this is how many prescriptions for Vicodin you wrote in this quarter. This is how many prescriptions for Percocet you wrote, et cetera. And it compares you to your peers. But it doesn't break it down by the number of patients I've taken care of. So it's just a raw number. So if you have a busy practice, you're going to be writing more prescriptions than if you have a slow practice. But that doesn't seem to count. It's just the raw number of prescriptions. And if you are classified as an outlier because you've written more than the average, you might get a visit from the DEA and be walking out in handcuffs. Wow. So doctors are now practicing in fear. So even when people come in needing a refill, we're worried that, gee, if I give this guy too many refills, I may get in trouble. And that's not the way it should be. I should be concerned about my patient not being in pain, not myself not going to jail. Right. But that's the way doctors are practicing these days. Well, I'm, I'm out of time, doctor. I could have talked to you more about it. I, I actually had a personal experience with Vicodin uh, and having to withdraw from it. I wasn't addicted to it. I was just taking it, and the doctors told me I had to quit taking it. So I did. And I, I'm fine. I wasn't, you know, I didn't suffer or anything. But he had to, He told me I can't write you the prescription anymore. You got to come in. And I just said, well, I just don't need it badly enough. So maybe it was good for me. But I would hate to have been somebody who desperately needed it. I, I appreciate I, your time, I, I, though. And I appreciate you giving me a chance to say this. Thank okay. You. Thank you, doctor. Doctor Jeffrey Singer, Cato Institute. Another little bit of conventional wisdom challenged right here on uh, the John Stoggerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. We'll be right back. The following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 8 800-671-7070. That's 800-671-7070. 800-671-7070. Or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states. My 
story includes multiple physical and emotional affairs. Every day, men struggle with sexual integrity. Impure thoughts, strip clubs, pornography. My wife found out that I had betrayed her. She insisted that I would go to the every man's battle. I had some idea, perhaps, of, of um, you know what to expect, but I had no idea that it would have the impact on me that it did. There's just something about the way that you meet in a large group and then the smaller breakout groups. And the sharing is just something that I've never experienced before. To register or to find out more, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. That's 1-800-639-5433 or log on to newlife.com. This is the first time in my life that I ever felt comfortable in sharing the real me with other men. In my mind, it is one of the most critical things that a guy can do in his recovery. 1-800-N-E-W-L-I-F-E. Freedom. One nation in all of human history was built on that bedrock. Ours. A republic of the people, by the people, and for the people. Self-government requires freedom, just as freedom requires an individual willingness to self-govern. Freedom has made America exceptional, but it can only last as long as you and I seek the good, as expressed by the laws of nature and nature's God. It can only last if you and I choose to act as people of character. Forging character has been the pursuit of Hillsdale College since 1844. Hillsdale College forges character and elevates civic discourse both on campus and nationwide. To find out how you can take their free online courses or receive a complimentary subscription to Imprimus, a monthly speech digest, visit hillsdalefreedom.com. That's hillsdalefreedom.com. You know the moment. The workday is over. Your daily responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lay back. It's that end of day. (sighs) That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-soothing serenity. Made locally at the Original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made, honestly priced originalmattress.com When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps to drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just the mattress store. Experience an original, the original mattress factory. A few minutes ago, we had a discussion with Heather McDonald. She's written a book uh, called The War on Cops. Uh, and I uh, we, we discussed cops and, and treatment of blacks and shooting blacks. And, and it's, a, it's a complicated uh, discussion, obviously. But one of the problems I had with the whole situation here with uh, uh, the Antoine Rose shooting was that I thought that not enough time was spent teaching the lesson, that the lesson was more about not running from cops or being afraid of cops. It should have been more, don't put yourself in a position where you have to worry about being afraid of a cop. Don't have any confrontations with them. So uh, last a couple of weeks ago, I had a discussion with Chris Carter, who does the Channel 11 uh, TV show with me, The Final Word on Sunday nights. We had a long discussion after the show, and he brought up some good points uh, about that when I mentioned that to him. Uh, and Chris, uh, thanks for being here. I um, I wanted to um, uh, give you a chance. You said that, that stuff there is stuff being done to try to teach that lesson, but that, that, that the things that you guys are doing don't get the publicity. Is that true? Uh, hey, hey, John, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, hey, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Doug, there's plenty of initiatives out there right now, not just to help establish those connections with, our, with, with the youth in, in the black community, but also uh, make, sh- you know, make sure that there's a presence in areas and help fight against the, the other issues that plague our communities. Uh, one of the common narratives that happens when people talk about situations like Antoine Rose um, or, or you know, like Tamir Rice in Cleveland, and and you know the the, the situation with African Americans and the police officers. The common encounter narrative is, well, what about black on black crime? And um, one of the things that go that that people don't realize happens is that there are plenty of organizations and efforts almost every day 
that work in the community against these initiatives. And what I talked to you about back when we spoke was, uh, was the one of the group that I'm, I belong to that's called mad dads. And, uh, mad dads, um, is a, it stands for men against destruction, defending against drugs and social disorder. Uh, the original organization has been around since 1989, but there's a Pittsburgh chapter that's been around since 2006. And John, the, the work that I've been able to witness and be a part of with them has been remarkable. Um, and it's just something that we don't get a lot of attention for. Our, our president is George Spencer, and we do as many things as from this past weekend. We cleaned up uh, a lot on Bennett Street in Wilkinsburg, uh, you know, where, where it was it was really it was in really bad shape. We filled it with lots of uh, lot, lots of we filled lots of uh, trash bags and cleaned up the area because blight is a major problem in, in, in a lot of communities. Um, but also uh, a couple weeks ago, a young man. Uh, was was shot in East Hills by the name of Jamarcus Foley. He was murdered, and uh, that happened on July 1st. And by, by July 2nd, there was already a, a peace march organized in the East Hills community, and we made sure we had uh, our members there. And what Mad Dad does is basically we take men from the community who join our, our organization, and we, we specifically work um, closest in Wilkinsburg and Homewood, because that's, that's where most of our members are, 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 are located. Um, but we make sure we hold community events where we can have outreach, connect with the youth. But we also we have what we call our, our night walks, where we go, we walk throughout the community on troubled uh, uh, troubled blocks and troubled streets, where some some young men have been, have been murdered at, at night, and we talk to people that are standing there, and we and if there's youth that are kind of standing around and we're not sure what they're doing, or even if we we are sure what they're doing. You know, we walk up to them, we say how they're doing, and we establish a connection with them. Um, and Mad Dad is just one of those organizations that does that. And this is something that happens across the country because uh, in Minneapolis, they had a they, back in 2012, they had a bus crime situation where uh, there were there were there was a lot of crime being committed on buses. And Mad Dad simply all they did was they sat on the buses. They weren't vigilantes. Hey, hey Chris, I, I got to go. Sorry, I'm go out ahead. of time. Thanks, man. Appreciate oh, it. Sorry. Thank you. John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.